What's up, world? It's your man Trey Gamage here, going live with the illustrious Lloyd Knight, uh, new CEO, new author of the Three Phases of School Culture Turnaround Specialist, three-time guest of the Dash Podcast. We're really excited to uh, get with you today. Um, I'm gonna give folks a minute to to join live with us, so we can get these links shared. Boom, here's one of them. Share, copy. Let's get these things going. Boom. Just got it out here. Good to see y'all today. I'm really excited to get with Lloyd. He's um he's a great cat. You know, we've been working for a while uh at a lot of things. Looks like I got some some air with the uh my Facebook says live at seven, but we live right now. So if the people aren't caught up with us, they just gonna have to get caught up with us. Um, but like I said, Lloyd Knight is a, a, a wonderful cat, man. I'm gonna bring him on here in a second. Got a new book. He's also a, an Omega Sci-Fi uh, member, Fraternity Incorporated member. So this is Founders Day for Lloyd. Let me go ahead and bring Lloyd in, man, so he can introduce himself. And we can uh, get started a little bit. Lloyd, how you doing, sir? Man, I'm so blessed on this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Founders Day on November 17th, 1911, on the campus of Howard University in Third Kill Hall. Three students and one amazing science professor came together and formed the greatest fraternity of all time, Omega wow. Fraternity Incorporated. And uh, they had big dreams back then. And I'm sure they never would have thought that our fraternity would become what we are with so many great people all over the world. Um, I'm hoping that on November 17th, 2021, we can have a similar launch uh, with many of the projects that I'll be launching. Um, of course, inspired by my experience in the greatest fraternity of all time, Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated. How long have you been um, a member? Oh, three? Is yeah, yeah, man, I uh, I became a member of Omega Sci-Fi uh, 18 years ago yesterday. Mm. Um, so my line brother and I, Aaron Woodard, uh, my uh, dean, Otha Chavis, and I, uh, we made that journey together. Um, you know, there there were there were some there were some some friends with us in the beginning, and things changed as things went on. And at the end of the day. Uh, two stood, and um, I'm very proud to be a member of my fraternity, but more importantly, I'm proud of the mission, which is for us to uh, continue uh, to lift as we climb and always have a mindset of pushing um, society uh, through our works, through our mission, and through our values as a fraternity of like-minded individuals. So. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, Lloyd, man, when I was in college, I, I went to Miami, Ohio, and yeah. um, I wanted to be a cute man back in, back oh, in the day. I, I was talking to my one of my, my professors about bringing the chapter back. You know, of course, the, the cues got kicked off campus, I think sometime in the 90s. They're actually back on campus now. It didn't really happen, didn't materialize, but, but I, I, it was a thought. It was a thought at one point that perhaps I could be uh, a part of the fraternity as well, but yeah. didn't didn't quite shake out that way. Didn't quite shake out that way. 
Yeah, I, I, I had a similar experience. My, uh, the bros had been off the yard for quite some time before I joined the fraternity, and um, it definitely there were there were there there were very very few brothers on the yard. Um, but you know, I, I'm thankful to my my uh, pro fight brother Ulta Chavis for uh, mm. giving me an opportunity to uh, join his line along with my assistant. Dean Rudy Sampson. Um, I'm thankful okay. for those brothers because you know without them, you know, there is no me in the fraternity. But uh, more, more so, you know, I was also a track athlete in college, and you know, I, I graduated cum laude from uh, Shaw University as well. All right, all right, all I don't, right. I don't want to make it all about you know. I, I no. mean, the bros do graduate, and the bros, you know, we <laughs> we graduate with honors too, and we eventually okay. become uh, great educators that. Uh, contribute to a, a, a society where, you know, hopefully there's no longer any failing school. Mm. Is, have you, have any of your students become Q's as well and, and uh, said it was because of you? Yes, of course. Of course. <laughs> I've built many bridges in my life. You know, I want to give a shout out to my brother, uh, Patrick Prosser. Okay. Um, uh, Dreek is another brother who uh, okay. I coached that became the Q's. Uh, you know, so I've built many bridges in my life. Yeah. Uh, and many bridges have been built for me. So I'm very thankful yeah. for those things. I like it. I like yeah. it. You, you you got a lot going on, man. I'm, I'm trying to get these links shared and everything. Always, man. Always. Yes, sir. Yeah, I, uh, let me see. Yep, I got published. So let me, um, let me copy this down. We almost there. We almost there, y'all. We 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 in for a big treat today. This is um exciting times with the with the man like Lloyd Knight. I just we we got to take our time and make sure <laughs> everybody can, can join us because when we when we talk, Lloyd, we get into some uh some serious conversations it. to say the least. We get into it, and you know, I think I want to say that like it's been a pleasure knowing you for these years because you've had a chance. I've I've had a chance to evolve. Mm. in the midst mm. of even our conversations over the past three or four years. Yeah. Uh, and we're, we're allowed to do that because, um, you know, no one is going to stay stagnant in a fixed mindset. You know, there are things that I believed a time ago that I, mm. I no longer uh, hold a strong value, you know, that's real. And, um, and the reason why those things happen, cause I want to drop this link into one few more spots myself. Yeah. But the reason why uh let me see what that is. Um but the reason why that happens is because you have a new experience. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I think First, that's what's cool about the podcast too. You know, you uh, this has been going 2017. Yeah. I think 2017 is when the Dash podcast started. That's almost five years, Lloyd. Wow. That's five years. This is episode two oh eight. Um, you know, I can I can think back. You know, when I first started doing this podcast, I know I've said it before, but it, it took me it took me ten hours to make my first episode because I, I just didn't know what I was doing, didn't know how I was right. editing, was just eager to to put content out and add value consistently for free. But you know, this thing has evolved, and you were actually one of the first when we started focusing on education. I think your first episode was eighty two or eighty four, okay. and we started doing education focused podcasts around like seventy two or seventy three. So. You know, you were one of the uh, early adopters when it came to the Dash podcast. So that's a that's a piece that I'll be excited um, to get into as well. But let, let me go ahead and do, you know, another 
um, official introduction, y'all. Welcome back to the Dash Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Gamage, and on the Dash Podcast, our goal is to bring you educators that are facilitating solutions for school communities. And Lloyd Knight is a turnaround specialist. This man has been in, in countless places. He started off as a teacher. Um, he's worked with charter schools, Charter USA, founding president of the Kiwanis Club in Indianapolis, school principal at Tinley Accelerated Schools, school principal in Dayton County, or excuse me, Dayton Public Schools in Ohio, currently school principal at Menemo, Menemo Cross-Cultural, did I say it right? Yeah, Menemo, it's Somali. <laughs> okay, okay, Menemo Cross-Cultural uh, Community. It means Go, unity, yeah, Menemo means unity in Somali, man, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's probably the most amazing place I've ever experienced mm. in education. Um, 75% of our students are of Somali descent. Um, wow. They are the children of refugees from the Somali wow. crisis in the 90s. Really? Um, yes, they are. And 20% um, is Latinx. 5% is traditional African-American students. So mm. we have a majority Muslim school and a Catholic church as a facility um, with a black male principal with Jeez. majority Caucasian teachers. So it's just this um this conglomerate of so many inclusive things um our teachers of jewish descent mm. and so like there's just so many different ways that, that you see colliding there in which um our students are getting experiences that you know they never would have had otherwise and uh i'm very happy to be there man it's you you called me a turnaround principal i think i've retired brother okay done okay. Okay. I'm done. I uh, I've turned around my last school. I'm in I'm into new and uh, amazing ventures, and I I can't wait to discuss some of those today. W would you say that this is is this the last school that you've turned around, or is this the new chapter? Um, you know, sometimes you end up in a turnaround situation by accident. Mm. You know, sometimes you 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 find yourself, you know, similar to my first months at CICS Lloyd Bond many years ago. Um, I got to enjoy my job for two months until I got tapped on the shoulders and was told if we don't turn around the school, we're going to close at the end yeah. of the year. So there's been very few instances in my professional career in which we didn't have to have that, um, that pressure. And um, I can't, I will honestly say, you know, I turn 40 next year and I'm thankful to not be in a place where um, turnaround has to necessarily take place. Mm. Mm, that's that is a blessing, and and I just I wanted to write it down for a second too, because you said yeah. black principal, white teachers, yes. Muslim students of Somali refugee is your majority population. Yes, at the Catholic church was where the school building is. Yes, if that's not cross cultural. I don't know. <laughs> <what it is. laughs> and that's why we're Menemo Cross Cultural Middle School. That uh, that makes so much sense, man. That makes so yeah. much sense. So you know, my wife is from. Um, Ohio, and, and I want to take my time a little bit getting into this because you, yeah. you've been yeah. in Ohio, you've been in um, Indiana, you've yeah. been in, I think the Carolinas, you've been in the Carolinas, right? Yeah, I, I was a, uh, I was lead principal for Charter Schools USA, which was kind yeah. of like de facto uh, superintendent um, mm. uh, for a full school year. Mm. Full, yes, sir. Mm. You work with schools in New Orleans, you've I been do. in Chicago. You've been you've been all over the place. What what leads you to your next destination? How do you find these schools and, and yeah. 
travel the country like this. Man, you know, I'm going to tell you something, and it's going to sound corny, but, you know, um, I truly believe that – make sure I get the letters on Founders Day. Uh, I truly <laughs> believe um, that God places mm. me where he wants me to be. You know, when I was a young man – after my father died and I'd lost both my birth parents, you know, I, I got really involved in church and I was a proud member of my youth group. Um, and I remember saying the prayer, God, use me, guide me, you know, use me for your will. Where, wherever you want me to be, I will be. And I will be so thankful to be there. You know, I trust you. I love you. And, you know, I prayed that prayer all the time. You know, I just wanted God to use me for what he needed me to be. And throughout my career, um, I always feel like when it was time for me to go, that the Lord stepped in and intervened and let me know, hey, it's time to move on, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I know that his hand was in every decision because in every time I moved, in one or two tangible ways, it was either a better place or I made more money or I got to have an experience that made me better so that mm. I can be the educator that I am today, that I can honestly say that there is, isn't a single situation or experience that I've ever had that didn't make me better coming out wow. of it to where now I get to stand here and be able to say that, you know, I, I, I am a great person in curriculum. Um, I do well, very, very well with school culture, which is why I write books about school culture and why mm. I, I consult. Um, you know, I'm I'm never gonna be great with back office HR stuff, but <laughs> but, but them two things. Right, 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 right. I, I, I can say that's bread and butter. I, I am a master educator on both, and um, I'm thankful for all the experiences I've had to made me that. So yeah, you know that's 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 real, Lloyd. That's 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 real. Um, you know, I I still consider myself young in the education industry. I'm about you know I mentioned five years into the podcast seven mm -hmm. years into education and you know, these past two years, I've been a dean of students and dog, when I tell you I'm at a place that I've never been before and just mm. in terms of being challenged. Yeah. Being challenged with, you know, the, the caseload on my plate, being challenged with uh, really impacting school culture, in, implementing SEL, yeah. uh, getting my first class, graduated. I'm, I'm really, I'm really challenged and I'm really stretched right now. Um, and it's a place that Man, it's hard sometimes, but mm. I, I know that I've got to to go through it, to grow through it. Um, you know, as the as the old cliche says, and it's it's so tough. But I I, I recognize that you know this experience will, will make me a better consultant in the long term. This experience is going to make the podcast better. This experience is going to to make a difference for these kids. You know, to be able to work in uh, not necessarily a turnaround school, but a place where it's I'm, I'm helping the first class of students graduate in a rural black community that where, where we were told at PDMSTA that our, our parents weren't smart enough, our students mm -hmm. couldn't learn a STEM curriculum, and we got denied the first time. And here we are on the precipice of our first graduating class. And, and you know, when you mentioned God puts you in something, and sometimes God will put you in a fire, but it, it's not to burn you, it's to perfect you, it's to refine you. Is to, is to make you a better version of yourself. Mm -hmm. As hard and challenging as that is right now, yeah. I know that what's happening. All of my flaws are being exposed. All of my um, all of my insecurities are rising to the top. And as hard as that is for me, it's good for my kids. Mm -hmm. You know, and, 
and not from the standpoint that they get to see those things, but they, if they're getting off of me or out of me, that means I can become better for them. Absolutely. Yes, sir. So I, I think culture is major right now, especially, man, this pandemic done shifted some things, you know, and I was uh, geeked up for the kids to come back to campus this year. Um, last year, we didn't have all our kids at campus and a lot of the work that I've done was via Zoom. So I was excited to have them back. It was good. And I also feel like that as part of the challenges, you know, without interaction for a year, a year and a half, I'm seeing fights. I'm seeing these, these petty, she was looking at me wrong. Do it again, I'm gonna bust you in your mouth. Like, yo, it's eight o'clock. Why are you so angry right now? <laughs> what's, what's, what's really the problem? Like, you, yeah. you thought she was looking at you? If, if that's what your issue is, then you're gonna have problems for the rest of your life. So it's, it's just really challenging. But, you know, I know you're starting an LLC called Culture of Love. Mm -hmm. Talk about that culture, and we're gonna get into the to the phase in the book and everything, but what is that culture of love and, and establishing yourself in the school yeah. community? Yeah, you know, um, so many of what you, so much of what you just said was so on point with why I believe it was the best time for me to step forward and really dive into the SEL space um, head first on. Um, because of the pandemic and how our students and our adults and our families and parents are all being challenged during this incredible time. You know, you think about SEL and you think about what a culture of love in a school is. I think going back to the basics of a school is a place of love, period. In the same way a household is a place of love. You have your parents, when they have their students at home, they love them, they care for them, they feed them, they clothe them. Why shouldn't that be too much different? Mm -hmm. In a theoretical sense, when they are with the teachers and the administrators of a school building. Yeah. And the best example I can give is this. You know, where I'm at right now with Minimo Cross-Cultural Middle School, they believe that me as the principal is truly an extension of the home that the student comes from. So they expect the same type of treatment and the same type of care that they give at home at school. So when you're talking about a culture of love, you're talking about being able to say that every single adult in the building loves every single student as if they are their own. Mm. And everyone doesn't really truly understand the importance of this because some people become educators because they want a job. Others do it because they love children. Mm. I hope that most do it because they truly want to have an impact on a student's life. Mm. Me, I work tirelessly every day to sell that mission because schools where love isn't in the forefront, where just because Pookie and Ray Ray has charges or has a probation officer doesn't mean you get to treat him less human yeah. than Susan, who's never yeah. been in trouble with the law. Mm. You're going to love, if they were both your children, you'd love them equally anyway. And what I say is we need to have more of that energy in our schools, whether it's rural, inner city, or suburban school, because there are students 
in every every school that are not feeling love in a way in which they would be able to do all of the special stuff that you hope they'll do pass mm-hmm. the high state test not get in trouble consistently and consistently do their work how could they ever do any of those things if they can't figure out at least one person in their building that they trust enough to wow. say i love that person i know that person loves me and would do anything necessary to make sure that i'm gonna be okay yeah yeah i mean that means so much i um that means so much having the culture love and it's, you know, it's another cliche. Students don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. And yeah. it's, it's, it's basic, maybe it's corny, but it's the reality. You know, and yeah. I actually heard um, first grade teacher, first year teacher, been a pair for a long time. She said that when she was setting her school, her classroom norms, she said it was a family. She said that I'm, I'm the mom and our pair pro is like your mother or your grandmother as well. And everybody in this class is brothers and sisters. So that's how we're going to treat each other. That's how we're going to respect each other. That's how we're going to love each other. And that classroom doesn't have any issues. That that classroom mm-hmm. is able to resolve the issues in-house, in the classroom. And, and you know, follow your RTI, your MTSS, your, your PBIS model. And it will tell you that 80% of what goes on in your classroom should be dealt with in your classroom. But if you're not leading from that place of love, then you're going to be sending Ray Ray and Pookie out because they won't sit down. And, and you're going to be sending uh, Joe and John out because they, they can't stop talking to each other. But that mm-hmm. culture of love hasn't been established, so they're not going to respect the norms that you're trying to set because they're academic-focused. They're curriculum-focused. They're, they're focused on um, on what the state says rather than what the reality that you actually live in. No, I agree 100%. And I even would, would extend it a little bit further and just, you know, think about this for a second, right? I think um, I came up in every education at a time where it seemed like you could system and process your way out of discipline issues. Mm. That if I teach them how to do it this way enough times, they'll just do it. But the truth Mm. is that you wouldn't have to do it near, have them practice that and do that so many times if they knew how much you loved them. Yeah. And you were going to hold them accountable every single time they don't do it that they know you will call their parent because you call them every week you know it's the little things that you hope someone will do for you as an educator and your child that you put yourself in that place as often as possible yeah you know, I, I was even talking to my um my teachers the other day because you know a lot of times and this, this is, I, I, I can totally understand that, you know, how someone might take this the wrong way, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, sometimes when an educator hasn't had their own children yet, mm. <laughs> it's difficult for them to understand what a parent expects from an yeah. educator-parent interaction. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So, of course... Before you have children, you might feel some trepidation. You know, I really don't want to call this parent to tell them that their kid is failing. And I get that. Here's what I'm telling you as a person who's moving in a culture of love. That per- that t- parent is going to appreciate that call exponentially more than if you surprise them with a negative report or you surprise them with permanent bad grades. Anyway, yeah, 
Um, yeah. And I'll give you a prime example. I, I, I had a parent tell me the other day, Mr. Knight, I'm so thankful for you because if you wouldn't have called me, I wouldn't have realized that my daughter's behavior was off and I wouldn't have checked the cell phone to know mm. what's happening in my daughter's life, Mr. Knight. Thank you. So communication is a hallmark of what building a culture of love is because if you're unwilling to have the difficult conversations with the stakeholders around your organization um, about what's necessary to get to excellence, how can you ever expect them ever to hit a ceiling as high as possibly turning it around or doing something great? Mm -hmm. um, I see this quote. I want to. I want to touch on this. Go ahead. You want to talk about it? Oh, somebody. Somebody. This is, oh, yeah. This, this is a comment in the chat. Yeah, this is a comment in the oh, chat. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This is uh, Carla Grant on LinkedIn. She All says right. she agrees with, with building sound, genuine relationships is so paramount at this time. Student-centered, honestly believing in students, knowing them and their abilities, uh, and their ability lead to academic success. success. So thank you very much, Carla. I'm so glad. Thank you, Carla. Appreciate you. You're enjoying. Yes. Please, please uh, invite some of your friends. Yes. To join us as well. Yes, indeed. And you said there was a quote you wanted to hit on too. Oh no, I just wanted to see that right there. I saw the. Oh, okay, I got you. I got you. Oh, yeah. okay, I see the name. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yes, what? yes, sir. We're getting some. We're getting some love out here. Thank you uh, very much, Carla, for uh, chiming in there. You know, I think Lloyd. I want to get into the the phases of school culture, but you know, you you hit on a couple things that are, are hitting me right now. My my son was born this year. You know, and I, I've had. Uh, those conversations in the past when I when I call the parents and they ask me, "You got a kid? How do you know? You know, you you don't know what we're talking about. You ain't got no kids, and if you do got kids, they're not old enough." So I've I've heard that from parents, and you know, my son son still isn't in school, but I, I'm able to look at things a little bit different. And when people say, "If I was your child, how would you want? Would you want a phone call?" So I, you know what? I would want to know these things, and and so that makes that makes a world of difference. I can absolutely see that. And I see, you know, this year I'm finding out what I'm good at. I'm, I'm finding out what I'm what I'm better at, and I find out what I'm what I'm not good at. You know, there, there, some tasks will come on my plate, and I, I'm not good at it, Lloyd. Like some of these details in, in, in event planning, or a lot of the, the the detail orientation that goes into things is tough for me, and and I'm recognizing that, and that's okay. But as you get older, you find those things and you learn how to work in your expertise and surround yourself with people who uh, make you better. Uh, looks like we lost Lloyd. I'm sure will be right back. Um, but I, that's, I'm learning about myself right now when it comes to how, how do I operate in my expertise? How do I be a leader who can, uh, how do I be a leader back um how do i how do i become a leader who can navigate these challenges without putting myself in a place of weakness lawyer sorry about that man I, I don't know what happened there um but 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 i'm i'm gonna get throw this question at you i'm, I'm in a place where um i, I want to do more of what i'm the best at but everything needs to get done and so you know part of being a school leader you got to figure out how to communicate what needs to happen? You got to figure out how to hire the people 
to get the stuff done. You you got to start building. That's culture, right? I, I feel like that's culture. Like I, I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not good at. Stop asking me to do these things that I'm not good at. Or, or for me, I got to figure out how to get help to accomplish these things. Like where, where does that fit in school culture? Is that part of phase one? So when you're talking about school culture, I'm so glad that you're bringing in and, and, and honing in on a lot of like those organizational shifts that are within a school. Because I think when people think about school culture, the first thing they think about is discipline, students in straight lines, volume level zero, stuff like that. When I talk about school culture, I'm talking more from a 30,000 feet perspective of mm. how is the matriculation of expectation and responsibilities divvied out, monitored, and repaired over the course of a year within a school. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about phase one, we're talking about me before we. We're talking about leader-centered leadership. And I'm a kind of ashamed to say that in the very beginning of what um, my journey in education was, I had a very leader-centric attitude towards um, how I worked because I'm a turnaround person. And obviously, if things weren't right when I got there, then I shouldn't listen because I'm the one who's here to fix everything, right? Right. And it sounds like a super narcissistic thing to think and say, but Mm. in the time, it felt like it's what was needed because all that I felt, especially in one of my turnarounds, was negativity in the beginning because I I was told, hey, they're going to cuss you out every time they see you. They're not going to listen to anything you got to say. The kids run this school. I don't know how they convinced you to come here but this is what it is. Mm. So in those moments, well, the team needs to be me to start, right? The key here is this. You don't want to stay in phase one for long if you have to ever. And the reason for that is simple. When you are the arbiter and the decider and the judge and the jury of everything, you are on an island of yourself. And I'm not sorry, brothers and sisters, you can't be omnipresent. Mm. (laughs) You can't be everywhere at once. So unless you walk with a sense of fear, authority, and absolute power, you're never going to be able to get what you really think you're going to get from a position of, it's all about me, you follow my rules, you follow my expectations, and we're going to just go do this. Um, And I think a lot of times when you see leaders who are in that phase one, they burn out quickly, you know? That flame, it's bright hot, and then it goes goes dim quickly because being the man or the woman in a school building from 7 a.m., especially <laughs> if you're in a high school until 9 o'clock at night, ooh, 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 ooh. and you, when you're in me before we, and a lot of leaders won't, won't admit this, but you have to answer all the questions because yeah. all the decisions yeah. flow through you. So most people who are me before we, they can't even get out of their office because they literally have to manage the flow of information through a school because if they don't plan accordingly as well, they don't have a team. All the people do all day is walk up to them and ask them, what do I do next? Mm. And I would say that's the equivalent of this is like a teacher who runs a poorly managed classroom where the teachers, the kids consistently have to walk up to the teacher's face and say, what do I do now? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah. So thinking yeah. about those things, 
school culture from 30,000 feet looking down, you never want to be in a place where you are the person who has to make all the decisions, where mm-hmm. you have set the mission, vision, and values of the school, where you have decided what the universal expectations and where everybody should be and what everybody's schedule is and everything. Because even though you may think you have all the answers, your team, your school, your community will never run as great as it will if you can achieve what eventually is Apex, which is a self, uh, a self-automated um, mm. school culture where you are no longer making decisions. You are only facilitating the brilliance of all the people that are around you. So, so Lloyd, man, that's, <clears throat> I think that's a, that's a wonderful perspective. And I, I like to play on words with the me before we, because at first glance, it can look like it's me first, but no, that's what I need to overcome. I need to uh, overcome myself so that I can get to a place of we instead. Yes. And I can imagine, you know, maybe not just that turnaround schools, but you know, when you, if you're a new leader in a building, um, you want to trust folks, right? You, you yes. want to trust that that when you, you know, bring the team in, that they're going to get their stuff done. When you hire somebody, they're going to be able to complete the task at hand. But how do you get to the place of get past the place of feeling like as a school leader? Because at the end of the day, if I'm the principal, it is going to fall on my shoulders at the end of the day. If if I assign you a task to get the schedule and the schedule ain't done, well, guess what? They're not calling you. They're calling me. Like, how do you overcome that piece or, or get to a place where you can trust your team enough or build enough rapport to understand, hey, you know what? I know you were doing this piece last year, but from our conversations, it sounds like this is more where you belong or, or you know what, let me take some time and figure out how we can best delegate these things. How, how do you overcome that? The, the trust factor, yeah. it's hard to trust people. It, it's the way that teachers are leaving right now too. It's hard to find high quality folks that want to be in and want to give that work. So how, how did trust is my question right now. Yeah. How do you overcome the trust of being able to say, you know what, I'm going to let my team do it. Yeah, you know, um, I think uh, trust is such an important thing, especially to our new generation of educators who are in their seat right now. Uh, Millennials and the the generation that has followed millennials um, both have one thing in common um, that is a big reason as to whether they're going to trust an organization they work with. And that's that organization's ability to drive the capacity of an individual to have the greatest impact possible in their profession more than more than money more than location more than uh benefits having an impact in a truly autonomous way is what people who are in education want more now than anything else that's true um so when we are talking about how do you build that trust well it first starts by building a relationship with the people Mm -hmm. within your school, right? So just like John Maxwell says, you start at permission in the five levels of leadership, you should immediately be trying to get to position. What Mm -hmm. I'm saying, to relationship, what I'm saying is, is that the relationship piece is an essential part of getting out of phase one, moving directly into phase two, where now you've built a relationship strong enough that you are in a place where you can now begin to build teams of people to obtain buy-in to get the initiatives done that need to make the school a success. 
that mm. needs to create the uh, environment where people aren't coming to the principal's office all the time because the principal doesn't own everything, even though it all comes on that person's head anyway. Right. That person and getting into phase two shared responsibility, inclusively centered leadership. It doesn't mean that you no longer aren't putting the ideas out there what you're actually doing by the time you get to phase two is saying, hey, these are teams that are established and we as an organization are going to allow you to run the idea that we have agreed upon, right? Mm. But at the end of the day, what stops phase two short of achieving apex is that at the end of the day, the principal is still make having the final say on everything. So I've created these beautiful teams. I got my building leadership team. I got my teacher base team. I got my PBIS team. I got my school culture team, which I outlined in the book as the four major teams that every school okay. should, regardless of where it is, right? You've built these teams. You've set your vision. You've even appointed a few facilitators here and there, right? But at the end of the day, are they truly able to innovate without your input? That mm -hmm. is the major question. And in this situation, no, phase two, they don't, they, they still have to run everything past the principal. So we come up with great ideas. We don't know a hundred percent if they're going to pass or not. So maybe I don't get all the ideas that I can truly produce autonomously to the principal, because I don't think all of them are going to get through. Mm. That's why phase two yet better than phase one, a leader centered leadership is still uh, a great place to be and where I hope most of our leaders are um, that have not achieved APEC. Is there, is there a, um, is there a timeline, Lord? I know you start cultural love. So say you're going into a school and you, you do your initial evaluation and hey man, we get phase one, we get started with phase one. Is there a general, hey, we're going to spend the first quarter. We're going to spend the, spend the first semester getting this meet before we, leader-centered leadership process down packed? Like, is there a timeline? I know, I know every school is different, every situation is yeah. different, but um, just to kind of quantify it a little bit, is there a timeline of phase one, this is, how, this is how long this process may take, phase two, this is how long this may take? Well, um, I don't see how anyone could ever get to apex within the first year. It, it, mm. It's almost a full year of everyone knowing each other. Yeah. Uh, strengths, weaknesses, stuff like that, so that you, as a leader, can put everybody in the right seat on the bus, as Ron Clark says, um, so that the bus can go um, down the road. Yeah. Um, I, me Before We leader um, is going to be somebody, you know, we're all going to kind of start in Me Before We because we don't yeah. know when we first get there, but you should not open the doors of the school still in that mindset. Um, yeah. By the, by the first day of school, you should have already met with your teachers, you should have already had some summer sessions. There should have been some type of pre-planning that happened. Um, and there should be some roles assigned so that, you know, by the time that bell rings the first day of school, you are no longer owning all the ideas in the building. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I appreciate you saying that too, that it, it may take a year. Um, Cause I feel like it's easy to get impatient mm. with that as well. And I want to say, Hey, I'm trying to turn this thing around. I'm trying to get this thing rolling. <laughs> I ain't got a year to yeah. to let the, feel this thing out. 
but that's that's what it's got to be, man. And, and and from my end, you know, I'm I'm adult SEL focused, and um, I see cash. I love cash. So I use a lot of their stuff, and I see all these SEL programs that have a, adult SEL at the third step. And I just scratch my head, like, how can, what, how? So I want you to implement. You know, in a program. Go ahead. You know why that's the case, right? It, it don't make sense, Lloyd. How it, it, makes, I, it, it makes perfect sense to me. Talk to me. It, it, it doesn't ring my bell very good. I got your back. The reason why adult SEL has to go through two, two steps have to happen before adults come into the equation is because educators are the worst people in admitting <laughs> that they are the problem. <laughs> man, 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 man. You know when, that when an educator, if you would have said, if they said, there's no education program in the world right. in which you can say, "Hey, teachers, get your stuff together before mm. you mm. get in front of these children mm. and mm. we sell one book." That's, <laughs> man, that that's a good point. That's a good point. So maybe you know, my approach has been to start with the leadership, and, mm -hmm. and I feel like you, I, I think that. That's a good point, man. That's a, that's a real good point. <laughs> I, I feel like you've got to spend, to your point about culture, instead of having the first year being choosing your curriculum and building your teams and implementing the program, year one needs to be, uh, what is SEL? What are my SEL strengths? Am I competent enough to, to facilitate this information? I think the first year of adopting an SEL program should just, I mean, you call it year zero or year one, yeah. but that year zero, year one is all about what is SEL? What does it mean to us? How, yeah. do we, how, how do we gain our awareness to a place where SEL is important enough to me first so that it makes, so that I can make sure that it is important to my kids as well. Um, and that's, I, we don't got to stay too far on that one, but uh, looking at phase two, and I, cause I think this part is important as well. So you're spending year one, you're getting over the me before we for yourself. Mm -hmm. You're building trust. You're building leader-centered leadership. And now in phase two, with the shared rep, inclusively-centered leadership, you, you mentioned the four major teams. Can you kind of break those teams down for me for a minute? So uh, you're talking about building leadership team. Um, and this is part of like the Ohio improvement process. I've adopted yeah. their language. Um, but building leadership team is how policy and um, global initiatives within a school building are established. So I think about a BLT, I like to think that, you know, building principal, administrators, um, department chairs, if they're interested, but at least one person from every facet of the building, um, special education teacher, math, science, social studies, English, if it's an elementary school, a person from every grade. Um, and for one, every month you sit down and you look at your global data and you say, hey, this is how we did on our last interim assessment. This is how we did on our last MBA assessment. This is how we did in the pretest to our state test, whatever. And you look at that data and you analyze that data and you set action steps and you use I statements. You know, one of the things we did in Dayton, Ohio was getting to root cause. Um, and we make decisions and um, policy isn't, isn't done until, you know, you have a BLT meeting. Um, so trickling down is teacher-based teams, which are your department teams. So 
hopefully, you know, I, I, I have facilitated TBTs before, but um, a facilitator would typically be a person from that grade level as a teacher. And they would look at grade level specific data and they would talk about issues they may be having in curriculum and discussing what they're going to teach next. Um, and that meeting typically happens once a week um, just to make sure everybody's on the same page. Uh, PBIS, uh, Positive Behavior Intervention Supports, um, that's a great committee to have because it has a focus on making sure that everybody is going to be on the same page as far as how they provide um, incentives to students for positive behaviors within the building. Um, my greatest fit, money. That's I get. We used to give out money uh, five dollars at a time uh, when I was at in Dayton Schools, wow. Thurgood Marshall STEM High School. And when I tell you, you think. Let me tell you something. Real hard children out there in West Side of Dayton. But when we did that draw, draw, that drawing on Friday for them five dollars, those kids came sprinting <laughs> down that hallway. And the reason they did is because we in the neighborhood, we in the hood. So there's a yeah. Dayton's right there, there's a churches right there, there's a McDonald's right there, Burger King, whatever. Mm -hmm. you know, five dollars. You can do some work with that five dollars, yeah. Woo! <laughs> for that five dollars. So, um, so yeah, you know. And then of, of course, the last thing is uh, a school culture team which just takes a look at the discipline data. And I think mm. a lot of places don't have cultural teams. Yeah. They make somebody the dean and they're supposed to be an army of one. Mm. Oh, that person is out. So typically the culture team is volunteers that just want to have a hand in school culture. You look at the data, you look at the discipline referrals, you look at um, how many suspensions you've had. You look at the impact that certain incentives had on the school community, and you know what? You make a decision. Do we continue mm -hmm. to change? Are we willing to extend this? Um, we're having too much of this. What should we do? And you bring other people into the um, the process. So those are the four teams that I, I really think every school should have, regardless of where it is. Yeah, I, that's good. That's good. I, I like those teams, and that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I like how you also you put PBIS in the culture separately. Mm, why do that, Trey? My man, why do that's, that? Uh, that's what I want to break it down for me. Why, why, gotcha. are those, why are those two <laughs> separate teams? Because the negative energy that happens looking at discipline data will hemorrhage the creativity available to people when they can mm. just take the positive and say, hey, what are we going to do about the students that love us and do what they're supposed mm. to do every single day in our building? And let me tell you something. This year is my first year because I've I've utilized Class Dojo almost every single place I've been because it's free and it timestamps. Mm -hmm. I love right. it. And when you talk about tier two, tier three supports of being able to put a mom on Class Dojo so they can see behavior in real time, yeah. call the principal. Hey, Johnny got four negatives. I just want to know what's going on. Can I talk to him real quick? I ain't, I, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. This year, no negatives. Mm. We, don't, we only give positives. Really? That's Dojo. So what I do every week, we have uh, challenges, monthly challenges. So this month, uh, last day before the um, November holiday, we're going to do a movie day. They're going to watch Toy Story 4. We're going to give them popcorn to the first, to the top half of our students in Class Dojo. Wow. 
Wow. So wow. All I do is pull it up for the month. The data pops up, print wow. it off, hang the list. The kids look up, they say, Oh man, I ain't make it yet. Oh Dang. man, I made it. But you wow. know the most important aspect of why those programs work when you do stuff like that? Consistency. Mm. There has never been a moment, and if you're talking about school culture overall as a leader, there's never been a moment that a stakeholder in that building can say, Mr. Knight said he was going to do something. He ain't do it. Yeah. He ain't do yeah. it. Because yeah. the second that happens, you're talking about the trust bill that you're trying to build within shared responsibility. You're never going to be able to get to it if you're not a man or a woman or your word. The mm. second you no longer become that, what my inner city students will tell you is, is that when they lose trust, they feel unsafe. When they feel unsafe, they they establish their own expectations. And when that Ooh. happens, that's when they're going to call Mr. Gamage and say, hey, I don't know what to do with this child. Wow. Wow. Dang, man. The, the articulation there, that is really <laughs> good. That is really good. Because I think if you're not, if you're not thinking of schools, from that culture, from that love place, it'd be really easy to say behavior, mm -hmm. SEL, PBIS, culture, that's your team. Y'all figure that out. Okay. Put that's, it all, put it, put it, put it all in one yeah. space, right? Yeah. That yeah. that's uh that's the that's a that's a I think that's a distinct and intentional separation that can change the way that a school looks. Cause you're right, if I'm if I'm looking at three referrals in my left hand and how I'm going to restore, uh, award students on the other hand, mm. what, which one am I going to prioritize? Yes. Because I'm looking at these referrals, man, they don't deserve nothing. Well, you know what? Bringing it to business within school, too. Think about this, right? Imagine if I was a really smart kid. They're all smart kids, you know, but imagine if I was really, really smart. Really, really smart. I did all my work. I talk. I don't talk. I don't make mistakes. Stuff like that, right? And nobody says thank you all year. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yet Johnny, who doesn't do any of his work, gets disrupts all the, all the time. <laughs> he gets acknowledged every five wow. minutes. Yeah. Right. So we're talking about students yeah. who have been through the trauma, been through the hardships of most likely being uh, a person who's living in poverty, lost family members because of COVID. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. All of the trauma that our students are experiencing in this moment. And I, me, Bomb Quisha, got it <laughs> together this morning. I put my uniform on, Mr. Gamage. I sat in the front row, Mr. Gamage. I did all my work, Mr. Gamage. I checked it twice. I could have talked to Susie on FaceTime under the desk, but I chose not to. And ain't nobody said thank you yet. Let me tell wow. you something. I'm going to give you $5. Because mm. mm. you, young lady, are investing in your education. And I want to double that, double down on that. Mm. One of my favorite activities I do with students is to break down the year. 180 days, $9,000. How much do you lose every day you don't show up? How much, you, how, much you, how much are you letting me take from you every time I suspend you? make you sick to your stomach. Mm. At least a kid 
who don't know how much $250 is. Hold on. You gave me five days, $250. What's the night? Mm. Exactly. Wow. Do what you're supposed to do. Stop letting me rob you of your education. Because it ain't Damn. just about the knowledge. Mm. Mm. That's good. We can we need to have a whole nother episode on, on that piece there. <laughs> the PBIS versus the culture and, and, and even discipline side. That's that's really good, Lloyd. We gotta if do you it. Take, if you take me to the third piece, this apex, this yeah. servant leadership. Um, there's a, a, a guy I know who um I don't think he was at Tinley. Um, Marlon, Marlon, yeah, Marlon. Marlon is like Marlon is like the king of service leadership, man. That's, he he calls a servant leadership with the grind. He was on the on the episode. Marlon Llewellyn, shout yes. out to Marlon. Uh, he's the man. You know, shout so out talk- to my brother Marlon, fellow Tinley Tiger principal. Yes. Outstanding, yes. outstanding person, man. I love I love Marlon. He's out at uh Marion. Um, university in the doctoral program, mm. creating education leaders um, in the Midwest, man. Shout out to my brother, Marlon, man. That's my yes, brother. sir. Yes, sir. Shout out to Marlon, man. Um, yeah. yeah, great guy. Great guy. And that's his episode was called Servant Leadership with the Grind. Yeah. And so that's what this makes me think of here, too, this apex, yeah. that servant leadership. Take me there, man. Take me to phase three. So um, we've washed ourselves of the self-centeredness of me before we and we've established our teams within shared um, representation and moving towards inclusively centered leadership but there's one more step to go and that is to allow yourself to become 100 percent vulnerable as a leader and allow those that you hired to have the space necessary to find autonomy within their practice. So we talked about four teams before. Um, We talked about BLT, TBT, PBIS, and school culture. Well, imagine a world where you only get to facilitate one of those teams. You're the BLT man. So no policy still gets passed you without your approval. The teacher-based teams, you've sold your mission and vision and values to such a degree that there are people who are looking forward to facilitating teams in your image, in your practice, and with the mission and vision that you set forth. So the best math teacher, they want to be the facilitator of your math TBT. Your science, reading, STEM, fine arts, they all want to be a part of that because they want an opportunity to lead in a, in a direction that feels successful. You get to apex leadership when you get to a place where those teams can be able to run autonomously That's good. and you step in only to find out what they think are the best things for the children. Why wow. is this important? Going back to shared uh, representation, we talked about what millennials and what young educators truly want. You tell an educator that you're an outstanding teacher and you and I align in so many things. I'd like to give you an opportunity to lead our math department. You will have the autonomy to make decisions. You will have the autonomy to work within these lines. All that we ask is that you remember the mission and vision of our school and that you are, of course, willing 
to hold them as accountable as we're going to hold you accountable. That you put a person in the education community, and I want to make sure I say education community and not teacher, in charge of the PBIS committee. You know, right now in my building, my social studies teacher, he runs all of my PBIS stuff. He and I, we may talk once a week, but he'll be like, hey, man, I want... I'm thinking about this, or I'm thinking about that, or he, he'll come to me and say, hey, I have this idea, what do you think? And I give him honest feedback. He takes mm-hmm. that feedback, he talks to his team, he talks to the students, he makes a decision. That's good. What does that do for me as the leader? As we move down these phases, or up these phases until apex, the burnout, the inability to come back year to year, that goes mm-hmm. away. Because now you have established autonomous systems within your school so that you no longer, not only are you not the arbiter, arbiter of answers, everyone in your school understands the mission, vision, and value of your school so strong that they know exactly who to go to about every single thing they yeah. need to get to. And you now have the freedom to do all the things that need to get done, like man, morning arrival, dismissal consistently walking through classrooms, check in, check out systems with students so that you can make sure that their social emotional well-being is okay. Finding the time to call every single student that's failing in your building every single week. Wow. Can't run high level systems of, of intervention like we have mm-hmm. going on in Minimo right now if I was yeah. the answer of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Putting out all the small fires and stuff. I, I'm I'm seeing it. I'm 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 seeing I'm seeing the culture of love and I'm seeing the phases. And um, my my one word interpretation of each in phase you can do this because in phase one you built relationships, in phase two you gave opportunities, and now in phase three they have opportunity. That, that's that's how that has just processed and and uh, interpreted. In my mind, in phase in phase one, because relationships come first. You know, leadership centered, relationship centered. Because I took that year and I found out what you're good at, Lloyd. Because mm. I took that year and I built these relationships. Now, mm. not only do I trust you, but you trust me, Woo. right? And in the next phase of that trust, you know what, Lloyd? You know what, man? I know you social studies. You have wonderful classroom management. I want you to lead this team. And now, Trey, and now, go ahead, go ahead. Trey, think about how powerful that is. When I, you I'm see saying. something, when you see something in someone that they didn't see in themselves. Yes, yes, yes. And, and now it's not, now it's not something extra. That's an issue with mm-hmm. SEL. That's an issue when we, when we come into a building and just tell somebody to do something, or this is what it, hey, this is what it is. There's no buy-in. But we spent mm-hmm. that time getting to know it. So now it's not just, hey, man, Lord, I need you to do this, man. I know you're, because then if, if, if we're not building that relationship first, is I got five classes and he want me to lead this too? Mm. Oh, no, no, no. It's, man, Mr. Gamer sees something in me. I do got good classroom management skills. I, I love to. I, I love to. And so that opportunity uh, breeds efficacy, breeds competence, breeds, um, I'll, I'll keep it there. I'm not going to go too far down there. And now mm. that I've got that opportunity, I can have my autonomy. You you got you, something there. You get you you get where I'm going with this. And I think, you know, part of part of why I felt called to write this book 
is that it took me coming to Minimo to mm. really see, okay, sure, you have teams, Mr. Knight. They follow them. They're still kind of going through you. And then, <laughs> and then realizing, like, wait, if they don't have to really come through you, and their hearts are in the right place, and they truly love our children, because we are building a culture of love, that their capacity triples, yeah. quadruples. Yeah, it's in there. It's now theirs. Yeah. When it's yours, and you truly own it, you're going to be willing to go the extra mile to make it get it done. But if you're mm-hmm. just monitoring another man's idea, it, it I, mean, work. I mean, Mr. Knight said, walk up the right side yeah. of the hall. And Gosh, I guess there was just two or three <laughs> kids who ran up those left stairs. Yeah. I tried to yell out to them. I ain't catch them. I get them tomorrow. Mm. Or, hold on, man. Mr. Knight put me in charge of this hallway. Young man. Mm. Right side. That ownership. Do it again. Yeah, you're right. I am doing too much. These my stairs. Mm. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big difference. Than, hey, you know, Mr. Knight said, Mr. Knight said, walk on the right side. No, oh. this is what we do. This is this my hall. This is how we go do these oh, things man. over here. That's hey, a huge difference. You get in front of that's the right inner city kids, they'll look you dead in your eyes and say, oh, your daddy said? Mm. <laughs> mm. Uh-uh, mm. Nah. You can't That's tell good, the, you can't tell the East Side Indianapolis kids, oh yeah, Mr. Knight said you gotta nah. do this. He'd be like, oh, all right. Well, tell Mr. Knight to come get me there. Tell oh, him say it to my face. Oh, trust me. And then I go, I pop up, they be like, okay, Mr. Knight, what's going <laughs> Humble. Of course they humble, right? But hit but here's the thing, right? They lose respect for the other person. Oh man. You know, if we could take it even. All the way back, because you know you's a dean, brother. So I want to we could I want to talk some some classroom culture, little bit, right? I'll never understand, and I still I, maybe you can help me with this, okay? The teacher who wants to be cool by letting kids break the rules in their class, right? Mm. Mm. I'm sure you're experiencing it, right? Where you cross through my threshold, and you, I don't care if you use a cell phone. Or you come into my classroom. I know that Mr. Nice said you got to be in star at all times at your desk, but I brought blankets and pillows, man. Why is it that that is such an almost perfect indicator of fall, winter, disruption, stress, and anxiety? Yeah. 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 What are your thoughts on that? And I, and I feel like it... For, for me, at least, it comes from, like, one particular group. And that's the young people who think they know more than the, the brothers and sisters that have been in the school for quite some time. I don't know. What do you think? Um, you know, I feel like if... I think we could stay on even your principles here. You yeah. know, if, if it's... If as a dean, if I haven't established... If during in-service, it's only me talking... And I'm giving you the plan. Yeah. You, it's not gonna sink in with you. I, I'll give. I, here's an example. Here's an example. We had a, a college day uh, this week. Okay. And, uh, we had two different panels. 
one panels, I, I kind of let it myself. I asked most of the questions, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it was good. You know, I saw some kids on the edge of their seats. I saw some kids that were falling asleep. And it just depends on what your interest is. But I had some younger kids come in and they already had their questions ready. And so I said, mm -hmm. you know what? I'm going to scrap my questions. How about y'all ask the questions? And, and, and the grade that asked the most questions, you know, y'all get some, some extra points um, yourself. And so um, connecting the dots, I allowed them to use their language. And, and that goes into what we're talking about with the leadership-centered leadership, um, leadership, leadership, leadership. If I'm not building, as a dean, if I'm not building a common language among our staff, that gives the freedom to the teacher to create their own language and establish their own sets of rules, right? Or establish mm -hmm. their own practices, which is fine. You can have your classroom rules. You can have your classroom expectations, but it should all still be in the same language. Yes. And, and if we're not speaking the same language, and, and that is as a teacher, as a facilitator, to get to speak the same language, I have to hear your voice. If mm. I'm not hearing your voice, you're not going to be bought into what I'm saying. Mm. What I'm saying is I got my own expertise. I got my own background. I got my own thoughts. And if, if I'm not allowing you the opportunity, even I had a, a, a wonderful, my first job at the South Carolina Government School for Science and Math. He told me this afterward, but we would have our in-service training, our leadership training, and he knew where we needed to go. He might have already had five expectations for us to get to. But he set up a facilitation for us to arrive to that place on our own. And because he did that, he knew what needed to happen. But because he allowed us to arrive there on our own, we had a much greater buy-in for mm. uh, those five principles. And even if it wasn't the same language that he used, maybe respect, order, uh, discipline, toughness, whatever those were, if, if we said um, whatever the synonyms for those same words are, that's cool. But, it, but it's a shared language. It's a shared yeah. agreement. And now we can all move forward uh, speaking the same language. So I, that, that's, that's what I would say there. It's definitely something difficult to do. Um, but I think that shared language has a lot to do. And if we're not on the same page, that gives you the autonomy mm. to do what you want to do instead of the autonomy to do what you are called to do or what, what the expectation is. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I in, the, in the book, I kind of describe it as like, you know, if you don't establish expectations for teachers, they'll create their own the same way yeah. your kids will, right? Yeah. Um, and everybody's not ready to do that. You know, one of my mm -hmm. favorite questions at the beginning when I would meet teachers is like, what are your classroom rules? Because I always just found that funny, you know, that like you already have your rules before you've even met children or met a school or anything <laughs> like that, right? Yeah. But, pe but people do, you know, and I mean, for good reason. I, you know, everybody starts where they are in the, in the profession. But, you know, when you, when you um, have rules that are not fair and they don't make sense, it's just, it's just more of an opportunity for students to find cracks in your practice to do mm -hmm. what they ultimately want to do anyway, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but um, for the most part, you know, when you think about, like, leadership and adults who are in similar situations, um, I do think it's important in the beginning, and that's why that me before we aspect is, is like the people need to know you and know what you expect before you build teams because they could build teams against you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. This is the in Mr. Knight's reign team, you know, and that, yeah. happens, and that happens too, you know. I, yeah. I just think at the end of the day, 
when you're talking about um, building school culture, building strong teams and creating uh, atmospheres where, you know, um, failing schools um, no longer happen. Um, I think making sure that you have an understanding of like what the expectations of your school, what the expectations you believe of students and, and the like are important. So, um, and the best, and the best time you do that is in the summertime. You're talking about professional yeah. development. Um, if I could give one example of a great way for you to get to know your staff or your team quickly, um, put questions on white paper around a room, like what is a, a Mid Nemo tiger? How do Mid Nemo tigers walk? How do they mm. talk? How do mm. they work? How do they mm. how do they interact? That's good. Put people in small teams and let them walk around that circle and write yeah. their paper. Yeah, and, and that's if, the shared language. Yeah, and and if and at first they may be a little shy, but somebody's gonna put their true feelings on that paper. Yeah. Now you yeah. have an understanding of where you need to work from because yeah. you know if. If you feel bold enough in the first hour of meeting Mr. Knight to put negative things about children he hasn't met yet, then man, <laughs> I know for a fact we got to keep going. At yeah, you know, yeah, so. that's good, man. That's good. That's those three phases of school culture. I can't wait for the book to come out, man. Um, yeah. uh, as we come to the close, we we always we could talk for hours, Lloyd. We could talk uh, for hours and hours, hours and days. Yeah, and I want to tell you, man, I appreciate you allowing me to have this platform today to launch my consultant company. You know, we definitely have a LinkedIn page, Facebook page. Um, I'm going to be doing a weekly blog on Medium. Um, I have, like, plans in place ready to launch. And this is a long time coming, man. And, you know, um, being a black man in education, you know, I had to definitely work two, three, four times as hard as most of my counterparts. But yeah. I'm thankful for you, brother, because, you know, uh, you and your platform um, sharing that space with me is much appreciated, sir. Um, yes, sir. And, yes, sir. And of course, you know, um, the great work that you do. You know, I'm a practitioner of restorative justice, and there's two books on my carpet. Um, mm. The little book of circles, of peace circles, and your book. Wow. So, um, wow. I appreciate wow. you, brother. I, look, I, thanks for the plug, man. <laughs> 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 thanks, thanks for the plug. You know, it's it's, okay. And I'll say, you know, I'm, I'm going to throw it back at you, man. The, the, yeah. uh, the pleasure is mine. You know, I, I remember our first conversation with about 2% of educators being black males. Yes. And that might have been the first time I heard that statistic. Uh, our second conversation was about restorative justice and restorative practices yeah. in schools. And now we're talking about school culture. So it's, you know, it's a privilege to be able to evolve with, uh, with a black man like yourself and, and someone yes. that's dedicated to service yes. in this way. Uh, where do the people find you, boy? How, how can they get connected with you how I did? Hey, man. Uh, on Twitter, we're at culture underscore of love. Um, if you search for us on Facebook, we're at culture of love LLC um, and LinkedIn. Uh, we're in both places. Um, and you'll be seeing us pop up. At, we're going to sell the book through Amazon. Um, copies of the book, the digital copies will be for $10. Uh uh, hard copies will be for $19.99, and of course, I'm going to sign those. And, um, but also, you know, uh, I'm going to be looking to see if I can get two more schools next year. Uh, right now, we're in Landry High School in uh, New okay. Orleans, Louisiana, um, providing um, SEL support. So we did a full-day professional development this summer. 
Um, I go to the campus once a month to give uh, actionable feedback and help create an action plan with uh, the dean of students over there, uh, Brother Payne. Um, so, you know, we're going to be looking to see if we can maybe get two schools next year. Um, I'd like to stay in the Ohio metro area. So if you know anyone in the Ohio 8, everyone knows of a school that's failing. Mm. Every district has a school that people feel is the dumping ground almost where, you know, they want, they send kids there and they struggle. Um, I'm here to tell you that no matter where that school is, I am a man of experience. I've turned around K through K K through five school, turn around seven through twelve school. Um, they're not talking about just turning around. No, went from the closed list to actually passing mm. scores for both schools. Um, that I know how it feels to be in a place where the impossible isn't possible. But I'm here to say that the impossible is possible. Um, so definitely come shout out, shout me out. Uh, my email is CEO at cultureol.com. Um, CEO at cultureol.com. And I'd love to just have a conversation with superintendents and principals because at the end of the day, my mission in life is to be a support. I want to help you um, change the trajectory of your schools. And all I need is an opportunity to show you that. Um, I love Mid Nemo Cross Cultural Middle School. Uh, next year, we're going to start a brand new high school in Columbus, Ohio called Unity Academy. Um, it's going to be an early college slash CTE high school. Um, how would you like to earn 30 college credits? And on graduation, they decide whether you want to go into cyber cybersecurity or IT, starting at $35,000 a year, or would like to take your 30 college credits you earned at our school to a local university. Yeah. I mean, those are options. And at the end of the day, yeah. we, we want to provide options for our students here in Columbus, Ohio. So um, three phases of school culture is going to launch uh, in January. Um, I'm excited for that. Um, and I'm just thankful to be able to be able to talk about all these things on your program because, you know, I, we out here working, baby. They won't say we ain't go get it. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, and, and you know, the people, I thank you all so much for listening for tuning in with us. Uh, you know, if you like the episode, share it. I'm going to try to get this thing <laughs> turned around real quick. <laughs> I'm going to try to get it turned around real quick and um, get it back up. You know, we'll have the videograms and sound uh, bites up for everybody. So, like I said, if you like it, share it. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, SEL Educators. We're trying to grow. we got content that's coming out every day. And, um, you know, you can catch the book. Oh, wow. Look at that. <laughs>